like we are live ladies and gentlemen we are live welcome to this episode of the sound money podcast i'm your host steve mcgarry and today we're doing something a little special where i'm actually live streaming on the youtube channel as well as recording this live on itunes spotify and all of the channels where you listen to the sound money podcast so a very special episode and if you guys are new, welcome to the podcast uh, on the YouTube channel. Welcome to the channel. And there's a lot of information displayed on the screen. But for listeners, it's important to sit back, relax, and we are going to talk about a little bit of a, a new topic today. And it has to do with accredited versus non-accredited investors. And if you guys are new to what that means, like what accredited is and what non-accredited is. In a nutshell, accredited investors have a million dollars in net worth or they make $200,000 a year. And I think the last one is that cumulatively as a household, you can make $300,000 a year. So like two incomes could equal your household being able to be accredited investors. Now, what does that mean? That means that you have access to different types of high yielding assets. And if you don't know what that means, that means that you get access to more ways to use your money and put your money to work. And there's a common argument about accredited versus non-accredited where it's meant to be a consumer protection. They're protecting people from investing and losing all their money in assets that are like unsecured and things like that. And I think that the majority of people think that these requirements are broken. Um, and one of my favorite thinkers of uh, our time, I guess you could say, is Naval Ravikant. He's a fantastic investor. He created Angels List. Um, you know, I've raised money for a previous company uh, that got acquired uh, via Angels List. And it's a fantastic resource for technology companies. Uh, to to communicate with angel investors. So great, great entrepreneur. He's a great thinker. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I love. And he talks about non-accredited versus uh, accreditation rules when it comes to investing, because he is a very, very, very good investor. He has been. That's where uh, you know he's put all of his money, for the most part, investing in awesome startups that he's really interested in. And one of the things that is fundamentally broken about the system that people make arguments about is that me as a accredited investor or a non-accredited investor in the United States, um, I could go to Las Vegas, I could put all my life savings on red or black, spin it uh, on a roulette table and lose everything within five seconds <laughs> or however long the roulette table takes to spin around. But I can do that that I have access to that freely. I can go and gamble. Um, I can also go to any gas station in my town or city or wherever I am in the United States, and I could buy a lottery ticket. I could put all of my savings into a lottery ticket um, and lose everything as fast as it takes me to either them to announce it or 
um, scratch off the the lottery ticket, right? So those two are probably the the most controversial because anyone can do them. There's no requirements there. There's no threshold that I have to meet. There's no net worth required for that. There's no um, checks. That, there's no there's no checks that go into me buying a lottery ticket or going to Vegas and gambling. So the question that people, the majority of people ask is, why are there protections on high-yielding assets for accredited investors um, protecting everyone else when there are these very low, um, low barrier to entry, basically rigged systems that you're almost guaranteed to lose your money. You're, you're playing against the house and you're not, um, your chances are extremely low. So it's a, it's a, a flipped, flipped system. And I don't really want to talk too much about the problem because I love talking about solutions and that's what I want to really discuss today. But the thing that Naval said, I believe last night, really caught my attention. And it was a potential solution of the accreditation versus non-accreditation um, rules for people to have access to these different assets. So he says, investing well is a skill that everyone can and should learn. I agree. Investing isn't necessarily a career path in many cases. It is a skill that you can do alongside your career, uh, and you can definitely work your way towards offsetting your expenses with cash flowing assets and things like that. Uh, accreditation rules prevent learning and push people into a small set of safe, in quotes, assets high-priced managers, and into lotteries slash gambling. So where he says high-priced managers, he's talking about your, you know, your Merrill Lynch people, your, your money managers that are, uh, you know, sitting there trading your 401k and your, your nest egg and whatnot, when their, their probability of success is, uh, you know, equal to if, somebody else was just sitting there clicking buttons because um, it it's very hard to read markets. Uh, I've tried over the years, not very hard, but um, it's not one of my skill sets. I don't, I never, never planned on reading uh, graphs or any sort of technical analysis of any kind, but high price managers is a very common, uh, common issue. And this is another thread that people bring to me actually often when they ask me for financial advice, which I don't give, by the way, uh, is that a manager that you go to at like Bank of America or uh, Wells Fargo or whatever it may be, the fiduciary duty of them is to present you with products, financial products, financial instruments that you can use and put your money into to help you, let's say, retire. And there is a big, big disconnect in the products that they show you and the products that are the best for you. Uh, and the disconnect is caused because they have relationships with these different products and they get a commission from these different products. So the first product they will recommend is one that is the highest commission for them. Next one down, highest commission for them, and so on. 
So they will recommend all the things that greatly benefits either them or the institution or whatever it may be uh, based on the commission that they're making for recommending that product to someone. So this was actually something that was presented in Tony Robbins' book. I believe it was Unshakable. Um, Unshakable or Unbreakable? I don't remember the actual name of the book, but uh, I read it. Great book. Really quickly, uh, basically, they he he brings to light this issue and how it is not a uh, it's not actually good for people to listen to the first or second items that these people uh, the high price managers, as Naval says, are are mentioning. And I, I don't want to dive too far down that rabbit hole, but the moral of the story is you are supposed to ask, uh, what is your relationship with this? asset, this uh, fund, this vehicle that you want me to move my nest egg into. So that's just a quick note as um, what you're supposed to do via Tony Robbins and his book. So the second piece here is the lotteries and gambling that I mentioned before, lottery tickets and Vegas and gambling and slots and all those, all those kind of traps are very... Um, safe for people to use, which is false, uh, fundamentally false. So he, Naval goes on to say on the final part of his, his tweet here, rules based on sophistication instead of net worth would lower inequality. And I definitely, definitely, definitely agree with this. And the solution that he puts forward is like a, um, a learning allotment where you have a percentage of your net worth, like let's say 5%, and you can unlock more capital as you prove out that you're yielding a good return. Like as you as you prove to the system that you're making money return, making making good return on, on your investments, and you're not just flushing money down in terms of protecting people, you can start to slowly unlock more. So 5% every five years, 10 years, then you unlock some more that people are allowed to invest that percentage of their, um, their yearly income or maybe even their, um, their monthly income, something like that. So it's like the ability to unlock things as you prove out uh, your, your success in investing as a skill. And this would, in fact, lower the inequality piece because then you have the two buckets of accredited versus unaccredited that are merged effectively into one um, one piece where it's like, all right, the best investors out there will unlock, let's say, up to 50% of their net worth that they can invest into whatever assets they want. And that means that they can invest in startups. Because the biggest controversy that I have run into was having having investors invest in companies that I've been part of and started and um, been the CEO of and co-founders of. It's it, it's a blocker for anyone to be able to invest in you. And there's a lot of different vehicles that people can use, um, but I, I do think uh, that it, it's just it's a, it's a big roadblock for people to raise money from friends and family sometimes. I know that majority of people will just skip it. They'll just jump right past it. It's not like a a do or die situation because friends and family, you know, if the startup is only raising $100,000 and you're 
you're taking 20k checks at a time it's not going to uh, break the bank of all the people that you're getting money from friends and family wise so it's it is a blocker for some but not a blocker for the people that just kind of skip over this whole thing so let's go to what he um, says as his first cut a naive first cut from naval is n percent of your net worth every year for every year in which you've made a private investment the cap lifts after 10 years of experience so for example in year five you can invest five percent of your net worth in year five so this is this is a very very good solution and a performance-based solution whereas instead of just a blanket ban of preventing people from getting access to these different instruments to put their money in uh, you can do it based on uh, performance and it can it can really genuinely lower that inequality of the top one percent top ten percent of people yielding these insane returns access to all the greatest assets out there and they have this iron gate set uh, to protect other people from flooding into their assets that they're involved in and it's framed as protection but like i said it doesn't uh doesn't really work like that so the the, the final piece that i want to talk about here is uh the upcoming election in 2020 i'm not big on politics uh at all but there is some really interesting things being brought about about the uh, financial education piece. One primarily is uh, a really hot topic on the internet right now is universal basic income, where everyone gets a, uh, a certain amount of money every month. The guy in the race of uh, the president in 2020 is actually Andrew Yang, and he is presenting the universal basic income uh, $1,000 a month, which is $12,000 a year, right below the poverty line, which is 12,500. Very interesting concept um, from an economics perspective. And he also embraces cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and, and uh, all, all of the uh, leveraging blockchain technology for voting and things like that. But he mentions that it's important to have free financial education. And this coincides with Naval's statement here, where he wants every adult to have access to free uh, educational courses and allow everyone to learn the basics and even more complex concepts in finance. And I fully support that, fully support what Naval is saying here about lifting a blanket ban and just allowing people to prove themselves out when they want to make a private investment in a startup uh, on Angel's List or a startup anywhere. Uh, you know, their, their nephew coming on Thanksgiving and says, hey, I got this idea they should be able to fully invest whatever they see fit in there. And let's say that they've, they lift a cap slowly over time. And that's, that's pretty much it for this episode. I hope that you guys really like talking about non-accredited versus accredited investors. I know I do. I get pretty passionate about it because having raised a few million dollars uh, over the past few years in various different ventures, it was a milestone, or a, not a milestone, a, a blocker uh, for me and for my team to uh, really navigate. And we wanted to follow the rules, of course, but it was 
it was difficult. It made it a little bit more difficult than it needed to be. And I think that it should be changed <laughs> for sure. I think we should change it up. But that's it for this episode. If you guys like this podcast, feel free to subscribe. And I will see you guys on the next episode of the Sound Money Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Sound Money Podcast with your host, me, Steve McGarry. If you guys want to learn more about all of our previous episodes and our upcoming episodes, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes and Spotify. We are trying to get the word out there, so feel free to share the Sound Money podcast as well as like us on iTunes. Leave us a review if you feel so compelled to do so. And join us next week on the next episode because we're gonna be talking about some really exciting new technologies on next week's episode. And I want you to think about how these technologies from today's episode could apply to the workplace that you are currently in. And that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next time.